Noiros. Welcome to this week's edition of Out of the Podcast. The big month coming to its end. A big end. I'm sorry to see it go. Things are fun. Again. Yeah. No, I enjoyed this. They're pretty easy to do. So uh, we got Big Dan over here, right? That's me. Big Gentleman Joey saying big hello. Gen- We're giving big you a big Dan. hello. Big welcome to the show. Dan, you got some nice deep tones for this episode. I know. Feeling a little groggy from our... Uh, we got to see each other last night in, yes, in, out in, in the person. world. Is this your first time back in Philadelphia in a while? Uh, actually, it's my second. I went to Philly briefly to uh, hit up a, a store with a buddy. We went to like record shopping and stuff like that. But this is my this is my first show, like indoor show. Uh, Your voice sounds so fucking crazy right now. Does it? Yeah. I mean, I can talk low in general, but I feel like I'm probably talking lower than I normally do. I don't think it's bad. I just say okay. you like, you're like, hello, everybody. You should be doing the, give Give us one welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. <laughs> oh, it sounds like Sly Stallone. Yeah. Well, this is what happens when I'm, you know, out. Give, give us, a, give us an age. Give us an Adrian. Hey, yo, Adrian. <laughs> Give us a um, a directive on the set of Staying Alive. Uh, <laughs> All right, good enough. Welcome to the show. <laughs> I was like, wow, you're putting me on the spot. I mean, there's so many good ones. Oh, I'm gonna walk. I'm gonna walk down the street now, and uh, I'm gonna bump into you, John. I'm gonna bump into you. <laughs> and he was right. He was right. That's what he did. Some spot on directing for Mr. Stallone. Can't be denied. Yes. Uh, it was good. Good to see you. Yes, you as well. Good to be out in the world, see a show. I don't know how much longer we're gonna have them. It seems like by this time this episode comes out, maybe the world's already locked up again. Yeah, I keep hearing something about like Lollapalooza. Like I didn't really look at the whole photos of it, but people keep kind of talking about that and how I guess there's so many people around in that. But it's interesting. Sounds like a COVID Palooza. Yeah, good. Have, have they re- done that yet? I don't know if that's been done, so maybe you need to... I you mean, you, to, you got yeah. a Palooza there. We dream yeah. of having one. They're ready to throw a fucking gate on anything they can. Yeah, that's true. They're not a Palooza. Yeah, we'll that's say, a good point. It was streaming live on Hulu, and uh, I meant to watch Jimmy Eat World set, but I fell asleep. I took a nap. One of those naps we like so oh, much. Gotta love those naps. Getting old. That's the lesson of last night for me. Oh, 100%. I was I'm fe- ready I, for my cane, my walker. I need something to lean on. We got there like a little after, I Besides guess a little after eight. Yeah, and and I was by like nine nine thirty. I was already done. <laughs> like like I was already ready to to sit down somewhere or, or go go home or yeah. It was it was rough, but stuck it out. I think we did pretty well. I mean, fun will definitely keep you going. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of good friends. A lot of seen a lot of good to see some good, faces. Good faces, yeah. So that that helped. So yeah, but it prevented us from our typical watching the night movie. Which yeah. was a shame because this this is such a shadowy film. Yeah, it's I, I lo- do, lots of shadows in this movie. That's the only regret really I have with how this was done is it, it would have been nice to have been that nice 1 a.m. movie or something like that. That's so true. So hopefully if you guys haven't listened or you're total pros, the Noiros out there know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They've like, seen this movie six times. Like we know to turn the lights off. But You've seen the, this one, uh, right? I have not seen this one. This oh, is new okay. to me. Ooh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. I'm curious. We'll I'm get curious into it. Also, stay tuned for the end of the episode. I asked Dan, and we're going to rank the big films. We're going to do a big ranking. Everything's big on this show. For one last time. One so last we're going to go big. So big that, you know, Dan blew his voice out. Yep. Big finale. Big finale. Kaboom. Should we just get into it then? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, like that's been one one good thing about these. I haven't edited any of these episodes yet, but I I feel like they were all nice and quick. Yeah, not, not quick, but just the right amount of time. No, I'm 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 all I'm all on board to get get going. I, I think this I'm is proud of us episode. for our uh, big week. Yes. Do you wanna? Do you, well, I hold on. I'll get into this and then I'll ask my question. But uh, okay. So the the big combo here we are. It was released February thirteenth, nineteen fifty five, and this was a co production between Security Pictures and Theodora Productions. Security Pictures was, I believe, oh, Theodora was actually Cornell Wilde and yes. Gene Wallace who were married at the time, mm-hmm. and then Security was the company of Philip Jordan who was, uh, he did the screenplay, and Sidney Harmon, who produced. Yeah, this is the first film that, that Theodora Productions made. That, that was, yes. this, this was their first picture. As far as the title goes, originally it was going to be called was something about Hoodlum? Yeah, it was, it was Hoodlum and then the big combination. Which was funny because they say <laughs> Hoodlum in the movie. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's fun and out of, out of place. But it turns out, hey, that was a little nod to the original title, I guess. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, so then it was, how about the big combination, which, you know, crime combination, as we all say. Yeah. Uh, seemed to be what that means. And good old Gene Wall said, you know, why don't we just call it the big combo? And here we are. I think that was the right move. Yeah. Uh, I always kept wondering one. what the combo was. <laughs> what, totally. What, no, what, I mean, what combo they were talking about specifically. I think that's one thing with all these big movies is you're just like, what is it? What, what's the big thing you know like yeah. what is this and sleep did we get the answer i don't know well the big sleep i think is death <laughs> yeah well sure but like yeah. i mean it's like they don't make such a death thing about it it's like a whole other thing going on That's true. um steel i mean steel is accurate the big yeah. steel big heat yeah sure. there, yeah there was a lot of heat in that movie I, I needed to cool off a couple times but combo absolutely it is here good job gene wallace we'll get into gene wallace this is an interesting some interesting stuff there. Yes. This was distributed by Allied Artist Pictures, which was formerly and best known as Monogram Pictures from mm-hmm. Poverty Row. Mm-hmm. Dan, you want to give a brief summary of Poverty Row for the new listeners? Uh, yeah, I guess I can. I'll give you, <laughs> how about, can you do it in 15 seconds? 15 seconds. Okay. Poverty Row uh, typically made B-level movies back in the day, and there were to be billed with A films, which are higher budget films. And the Poverty Row were uh, low budget, like low budget film companies. So they didn't have high budgets to make these elaborate productions, but they, uh, in many cases, did the best they could to put out some decent stuff. A lot of, yeah, secret gems. I mean, have we come across any monogram? Yeah, we have. Um, I feel like, yeah, we did one. One of the the last ones we did actually was. um, Oh, okay. I'm drawing a blank right now, but I will tell you in just one second when I pull up the... uh, well, I'll tell you that in the meantime, this yeah. was directed by Joseph H. Lewis, who you may remember from Gun Crazy, the director yes. of Gun Crazy. Nice to see him again. And as previously mentioned, screenplay by Philip Jordan, produced by Sidney Harmon, and cinematography, gotta shout him out on this one, yes. John Alton. John Alton doing a great job. Fantastic job. I mean, there's spoiler, everybody. There's a lot of fog in this movie, so you know Dan's gonna oh. be hurt. I, I was waiting for you to, to mention it. I'm going to get it right out of the way because I know we're all waiting for a yes. fog mention to, to see Dan's face lit up. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. It, I suppose. A lot. There was a lot of fog and I was, I couldn't be more thrilled. Once the fog came, it didn't stop. Yeah. And that, and, and that was great. Should have been called the it. big fog. Ooh, look at you. Hey, maybe that's what our movie should be. Yeah. Yeah. It could be. Well, what do you got for us, Dan? What was I our don't have anything. I you don't son have anything of a bitch. All right. Th- there's too many movies. I'd have, I, I would need more time because I, I would need to look because I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but we definitely did at least one. Okay. I was going to say check back next episode, but it's not a huge deal. We'll just let this I will have go. the answer by the next episode. 
We'll see. I will, I will promise. I'm gonna. I'm, don't put a promise out there, but I'm just gonna say if if you do, cool. If not, we're moving on. It's not the end of the world. Okay. We'll figure it out someday. The next picture we do from them. Yes. Mayhaps. So here we are, Dan. When was the first time you saw this movie? It was a few years ago. I, I just, I knew about it. I mean, obviously- Was this one of your earliest Cornell Wilds? Because fans of the show may know that you uh, you have an affinity for him. I would say yes. This is definitely one of, if not the first I've seen. Um, would you say this might be his biggest film? Besides the title? <laughs> Pardon not intended, but we'll allow it. Uh, pardon me, but- uh, His biggest film ever? Just as far as like what's probably his most well-regarded. Hmm. Should I be throwing him on IDB and see if it's in the top four? I would say that it would be this one, or I, I think The Naked Prey, just because he directed and starred in that one, and it's on Criterion. Like, I think that one is one of his most well-known ones. Do you want to know the IMDb top four? Sure. Naked Prey is fourth. Okay. Then we have No Blade of Grass from 1970. Yeah, that's just like sci-fi movie, which I haven't seen. He yeah. does the radio voice. I don't know how significant that is, or maybe it was just a big enough movie they put that there. I don't know how mm-hmm. these things work, but he's also in... The Greatest Show on Earth from 1952 yes. mm-hmm. and 1963's Sword of Lancelot as Sir Lancelot. So, mm-hmm. Interesting. Can, that makes sense. I mean, Cornell Wild, man, he's a... He's a, a wild f- guy. <laughs> he, sure. He puts the E in wild for sure. He, he's got such a unique face. I don't know what it is about him, but you kind of, you see him... And you, you almost get like a picture. You, you're judging him right off of that face. And every time he's just bringing something completely different. I'd say the only time, as far as what we've done so far, and, and I haven't seen too many of his movies, I would say Lever to Heaven is kind of the most like performance that makes sense with that face that he has. Yeah. But in this mm-hmm. one, as police lieutenant Leonard Diamond, which as they say in the movies. Diamond. Expensive name. <laughs> great line. He is. He just transforms into this really hard-boiled role. I, I, I just was in. This was the one that really I was like, this guy is really versatile. Like it was really fun watching him play this role. Yeah, I would say I like as far as what we've done so far. I, I would say I like his performance in this the best. I think. Yeah. No. I. I agree. One hundred percent. That. Yeah. As much as like he has a certain demeanor, and a certain like way about him he's surprisingly and, believable as like right a, like a, as a hard tough as nails kind of detective exactly but he has that that very like chameleon like aspect of like he can you know and and yeah I, i've seen a lot more of his other films like storm fear he, mostly I i'm just kind of thinking yeah. of um like roadhouse you know i, I right, think is yeah. the most we've really experienced him i mean the end of lever to heaven he really starts coming out but right. this was great to see him in, in mm-hmm. this role and having a good time like i think he liked this i mean he's producing and so of course he had an affinity yeah. towards it but yeah, he he was really he really shined in this. Yeah, he gets to be the lead. He gets to be the you know the the cool hardboiled detective that's you know on on the the, the case and you know on the trail of Wallace. Mr. Brown. Yeah. Yep. What do you think of Mr. Brown? Maybe Richard my, Conti. Maybe actually my favorite, one of my favorite characters in the movie in general. Yeah, he's like, a like, yeah. wonderful villain. Very yes. terrifying, and they give him plenty of scenes to be terrifying in. Maybe uh, one of, maybe it's like to, at least top three favorite villains we've covered like so far. For me, yeah, I, I feel good saying that as well. This, I mean, he's very twisted, you know. Yes, he's, he's a dark guy, and yes. he has some some dark sidekicks. You get Lee Van Cleef, Dan. Yep, Ooh, early early Van Cleef. Talk about some, some scariness, that guy, the bad. Yes, to uh, of 
the good, the bad, and the ugly fame. Yes. Most of our experience with him and in other Westerns, but woo-wee, he's great in this. He uh, plays Fonte, and then you have Mingo, played by Earl Hollum. Mm-hmm. And like then, the humane henchman of Brown, yeah. And then there's Joe, right? McClure, yeah. McClure, yeah. He has a very interesting relationship with Mr. Brown, as we'll get into, but he he's, yes. in the, he's around, and he's going to be significant in probably most of the memorable scenes of this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we open in the police station, right? No. So isn't it technically it starts with Gene Wallace running out of like of the, the boxing. It's the boxing rank, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to confess the beginning is I wasn't quite there just yet. And uh, okay. it, it definitely needs to, to kick in. And also this write up I'm working with is not so good. I'm it's all good. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm here to help. I'm here to help. Yeah. Cause I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this one. So does it open with her having already taken the pills? No, that's later on. So she's okay, she's then. running. She's please, running. Please open us up. I got nothing for the podcast here. Sure, no worries. Yeah. So we it starts off kind of mysterious because she's running. You know, there's like a boxing match going on, and she's running around the arena, and two guys are running after her from different directions, kind of closing in on her as she's trying to escape. And you're just and that's like, Fonte and Mingo, correct? Yes, chasing. Yes. Ch- as we find out, is chasing Gene Wallace. And uh, they finally catch up to her right outside the venue. And we actually notice at there's like a concession right on the outside of the thing. And the police buddy that like the partner of Cornell Wilde is kind of watching this unfold. And yes. she's basically trying to get away from Brown, who we find out is she's the girlfriend of Brown. Mm-hmm. And these are his henchmen. They're trying to say like, hey, we're keeping an eye on her. And then what do we get? <laughs> oh, yeah. So then, then eventually what happens is, yes. Yeah, so when do we get to when she takes the pills? Is it soon after that? It's soon after that. Yeah. I was so, going to say, I thought I remember that from being in the beginning. It might cut It might cut to Cornell Wilde in his in his office talking to. I do um, remember that part. Yeah, as well. Talking yeah. to the captain and like and the captain keeps riding him about uh, like I can't keep you, you can't keep spending all this money on them. I know you're in love with uh, you know, Gene Wallace's character, you know, and you got you to gotta, you gotta lay off him. You don't have anything on him. And then eventually it comes so back. So what was his, yeah. he already had a relationship with Gene Wallace at that point? He'd been following her. So he, he, he used, he thought she was like the prime person as a way to get an inroads to Brown, like to find something on him because mm-hmm. she's so close to him. Right. He kept following her. But then he, I think over time he started to fall in love with her as he was following her. So it became more like an obsession of like, not only for the job, but on a personal level. Yeah, because that was the one thing that just didn't ring true to me the entire movie was like, he keeps saying he's in love with her and stuff, but it's just, you don't really see it and it's not really reciprocated at all. I mean, right, right. You need Rita. Yeah, Rita's I, the way to go. I felt really bad for Rita. Um, oh, poor Rita the whole yeah, time. I, I really did. Um, Helen Stanton played her. She did a terrific job. All the Rita stuff was good. It was very funny, though. I don't know, perhaps if it was because Cornell Wilde's wife was on the set. But every time they would kiss, it would just be like weird and like barely touch lips. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, that, that was a. Good I'm story. sure that was a conscious thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> Gene Wallace gets hers later on. Don't worry. Yeah. As we'll get into, she says that she's taken a bunch of pills and she thinks she's gonna die and she passes out and she drops like her bag, right? Yeah, they're at like a. It's like a some type of like dining club it's like a restaurant where they have dancing and she's dancing with her she sees like an old friend they're dancing and she had just taken the pills and kind of falls on the dance floor and that police buddy the partner of cornell wilde is there and picks up the you know like drops the paper picks, on top of it drops yeah. the paper to cover it and, and grabs the purse then she's back at the hospital brown's there because cornell wilde goes cornell to, to, to comes visit. in yeah and and we find out this name alicia 
which yes. is basically going to fuel most of this movie from here on out. Yes. Here's a weird fun fact I saw, Dan, though, that just makes this whole thing so much crazier, but why not write from experience? Gene Wallace had tried to kill herself in 1946 with sleeping pills. Mm-hmm. And then uh, then a self-inflicted knife wound in 49. Yeah. It's crazy, but, no. you know, again, you gotta, you gotta put in what you know. Even though, I don't know, I, I, maybe they were just giving ideas as producers, but, you yeah. know, was that in the screenplay? And they're like, oh, <laughs> whoops, okay. Or Yeah, I don't know. It is interesting, though, for sure. That was um, something that blew me away when I saw that. Yeah. But she's going to be okay, and we are, we're on the hunt for Alicia. Where do we head next, Dan? So after that, you're catching me on the spot now. Let me go back to my notes here. Thank you. Because when does he get into, like, Mr. Brown, he'll, he, like, talks to Joe McClure at one time. Or is he talking to, like, his cop friend? But where he does that whole, like, you need to run on hate. Hate runs the world speech. Now, Benny, who runs the world? Have you any idea? Not me, Mr. Brown. That's right, not you. But a funny thing. They're not so much different from you. They've got something. They've got it and they use it. I've got it. He hasn't. So what is it, Benny? What makes the difference? Hate. Hate is the word, Benny. Hate the man who tries to beat you. Kill him, Benny. Kill him. Hate him till you see red and you come out winning the big money. And the girls will come tumbling after. You'll have to shut off your phone and lock the door to get a nice rest. Get on your feet, Benny. What'd you do that for, Mr. Brown? You should have hit me back. You haven't got the hate. And he, and this is where you get a little context of, I don't know how far ahead I'm jumping, Dan. Yeah. He's talking to Joe McClure, and like he's like, Joe McClure used to run the hotel yes. that he owns. And Mr. Brown also was like a, a security... Prison. He was a prison, a prison guard. Prison guard, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he's like really risen the ranks, and he's just talking. And the whole time, he, he's talking about how he's better than people. He's always saying the cops making ninety six fifty a week. Yeah, he's a very confident man who's like risen the ranks, and yeah, he took basically Joe McClure's like life from him, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to take over now, but I'll keep you around. And McClure has a hearing aid too. Yes, mm-hmm. which yeah, comes into play a lot. Absolutely, cannot hear without it. Uh, it he, he like takes it out of his ear and like talks into it. And yeah. Like, oh, what? I mean, that sets up a lot of things, but also is just some great shadowy stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, this happens. We're we're right around the same time because what happens is, yeah, he's he's kind of you know going after this boxer that he's he's kind of I guess he's overseeing or managing. That's and, what it was. And, yes. and right after right after he walks away from him, Van Cleef walks in and, and explains that Gene is in the hospital. So yes. that's that's right at that point. So we're right about right about. And he's there talking anyway. to that boxer. That's what it was because he yeah. said the boxer had lost. He's like, I'm going to teach you how to get first place, and he, that's where he's like, you know, hate. You got to run on. Yeah. Hate. Like that's what's going to keep you going. And uh, I agree with them. I mean, anything I've accomplished in life has been off of hate. And oh, yeah? So, yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, not awful ways, but... Yeah. You just need, you need something to drive you. Yeah, that's true. Something to strive. People to be better than, you know? <laughs> so even if times are at their darkest, you're like, at least I'm not that guy. Yeah, that's, what, that's what's driving you. All right. <laughs> Whatever puts the gas in the tank, my friend. Yeah, man. So yeah, then he heads to the hospital and it's not looking like she's going to talk. Yeah. And we're trying to figure out who Alicia is. Did she die? And he asks him, he like confronts him about it. 
takes a lie detector test. Takes a lie detector test, which was fun. Yeah. I found it was interesting that they didn't ask like, like true or false statements in the lie detector test. He asked like, it was um, a word association, association, which is weird. One of my favorite lines we went goes like, Brown, Mr. Brown to you. Only my friends call me Brown. (laughs) Exactly. It's just very, (laughs) that's like not something I feel like would be on a lie detector test. Usually ask you like, what color is your, is is his suit? You know, like it's stuff like that. Like they're getting that, you know, those, those type of questions, not association questions. And two things set him off. One is, a name of like a case that didn't come together that Cornell Wilde had tried to get Mr. Brown on. It was like Bettini. It was yeah, Bettini. They say Bettini. And first, and Brown says it's a restaurant that you don't know about, but right. that's not what it is. It's actually a person. And then also when he says Alicia, there seems to be a bit Spike, of a response yeah. as well. Then I believe after this is where we meet Rita, correct? Yeah. 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 Cause he goes out to, it's been a late night. So he goes to meet up with Rita. I mean, this is a very mature movie, um, you know, even if it's a bit subtle. But yeah, I mean, he's definitely going to like this burlesque place to meet up with Rita, who is this woman who really likes him, and he's just not attached to him, just basically like fucking on the side. <laughs> it's just, yeah, you know, it's been a long day. Let's meet up. Yeah, it's a very very tragic story with Rita. Yeah, the whole the whole time, and it only gets worse. Yeah, but. Yeah, I thought she did a great job, especially when she's like coming out of because he's like his apartment's like right next door to that place, right? Because I believe they show later the on, sign yeah. in the window. Later it's very on, close. Yeah. Yes, it's in the vicinity. But when she's like leaving the her, the back alley of like the burlesque place, that's it's like real shadowy, and you get a little fog in here too. Like, yep, it's very well well done. Yes, <laughs> he's so mean to her. He says like, "You're a beautiful girl, but you're stupid." <laughs> yeah. Can't say anything nice without spoiling it. Why do you waste your time with a cop? Could get me a nice rich hoodlum. You should be able to recommend one with your connections. What is there about a hoodlum that appeals to certain women? Hoodlums, detectives. Woman doesn't care how a man makes his living. Only how he makes love. Who is she, Leonard? I'm stupid, Leonard. About everything but men. Them, I know. Give me my shoes. I'm going home. Put them on for me. When she hurts you again, baby. Don't wait six months. Again, very tragic. What happens next, Dan? <laughs> I think that this is right around the time. Doesn't he? Isn't this where he gets beat up by the henchmen and they they tie him up? Yes, because he's been asking questions. They don't like that, Mister Brown. He gets stuff done, so he has McClure. Well, he rounded up. Yeah, he rounded up a bunch of the henchmen. So I think yes. that really was what kind of was the breaking point for him. And, and yes, and because as he's like rounding him up, uh, he like gets the gun from Mingo and shoots him in the hand, right? Yes, he does. Cornell Wilde does. And that becomes like a running thing because Mingo's hand just keeps getting worse and worse. At one point, he's like, my yeah. thumb is infected. It's like, yeah, that's not good. It was but when he was they... leaving the burlesque place. He was leaving the burlesque place and it was a little bit foggy and he was walking down the steps and then they met up with him and, and kind of roughed him up and he shot him in the hand with his gun. But they were able to basically kidnap him essentially and, and then yeah. they bring him to a room and tie him up and then they start torturing him. The best scene in the movie. Incredible stuff. They take out McClure's hearing aid and put it in Cornell Wilde. 
and they're just like putting it like right to the stereo and blaring like crazy drum jazz music. And, yeah, like a really loud. And and just all in the darkness, and you got Van Cleef just looking so evil, holding that stereo the entire time. Yeah. And then also they like just force all his booze down his throat, and it's just sickening. Very, very, very striking. Yes. Well, well done. And so they let him go and let him stumble off, and he makes his way to second in command, who at first is just like, well, no, it's oh, actually his captain. It's his captain. captain. Yeah, his and he's boss. like, oh, yeah. look who's drunk, like, finally. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 man, things are bad. Yeah. You need to help out. Uh, so that was good stuff. But along the way, he's he's been picking up clues, and and he uh, he visits that the the Swedish guy that actually like that his he has a, he runs an antique shop, but it's owned by Brown, and he used to be like a sailor on a boat, like used to be like the the um why can't I think of the word the driver, but but you know he he was on the ship on the ship with Brown, and Brown yes. was with who we find Alicia to be was his wife, and then this, she disappeared uh, after that. Yeah, she disappeared after that. But it was also with the former crime boss, which I Grazi, Grazi, yes, who they said was allegedly living in Italy now, and basically Wilde went to the antique shop and was trying to get information out of him about you know. And he thinks Brown is coming to kill him, so he's real terrified at first. Right. Uh, so he doesn't want to give any information because apparently they they thought that they heard that they had to get a new anchor while they were on the trip. They're going from New York to Lisbon, Portugal. And they're like, well, that's weird that you have to get a new anchor. So they thought that they had tied Alicia, Alicia. to the anchor and dropped her in the Atlantic. Um, Which is a crazy death. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So I won't, I won't give away as we find out later about that. But that's what the point where we're at now. And eventually, right after that scene, actually, the Swedish guy dies. He gets, he gets killed. McClure comes and handles it. Yeah. And so Diamond, he goes to Susan, and he's really trying to get her to, like, Lee Brown and help out everything. He's letting him know, like, hey, by the way, I'm in love with you. And he has, like, a picture. He finally has a picture of Alicia and shows mm. he shows Susan the picture of Brown, Alicia, and Grazzy. They're together on that boat. And she's like, no, no, no. Or she's like, yeah, wait, what's up with that? And then goes back to Brown. And Brown is like, hey, no, she's alive. She's in Sicily. She's living with Grazzy. Everything's fine. Yeah. Don't worry about it. And uh, in that great room, yeah, he has that secret door that's like a huge armory, and so yeah, he's like, Don't worry about it, and then he goes down on her. <laughs> it's crazy, yeah. I've never seen that one of these before, so it's just like, again, <laughs> Cornell Wilde made this movie with his wife, and his wife's like, Oh, you could barely kiss Rita, but I'm gonna have this man go ahead and handle this business. It's crazy, very, I don't know, very uh, interesting. Uh, and then, the, well, the yes, camera's a lot on of her just face. Shocking. Yeah, I mean, the camera's like it's a close-up yes. of her face. Yeah, oh, I know it, it's implied, but it's very obvious. It's yeah. It's, I mean, there's a lot of little things like that. There's also like I was kind of got this, and I was saw it in my research as well. But that you know, Fonte and Mingo seem like there's a bit of a relationship there. I mean, they're like sleeping in beds next to each other, and there's even saying like when they're trying to like leave town because the heat's been on them, and they're just like, please go. And there's like there's just some intimacy between them. I don't know. Is it? Very interesting. Yeah, there's some type of connection there. It's hard to say exactly what that is. I mean, you could tell even there, earlier in the scene when uh, McClure is trying to take over, and he's like, "Hey," and there's like, "Oh yeah, if you want to rough him up, you can give him, you know, give me a hundred dollars and give oh, uh, Mingo a hundred dollars." Took too. care of his buddy. Yeah, yeah, That's a good exactly. move. Yeah, yeah. And then he like roughs him up, and then Brown comes in. He's like, "What are you doing?" I told you he, not to do this. Yeah. Every, every time McClure tries to pull something, Brown comes in and catches him. It's, yeah. 
It's funny. Well, McClure's, um, you know, McClure's trying to make his way back up. Throughout absolutely. The he does not like that this man you know, he could muscle him out. As we find out early, you know, like he goes like, Mr. Brown's like, yeah, this guy used to be my boss. Now I'm his boss. And yeah, that can't be a fun situation to no. be in. Brown doesn't like anything that's been going down. So he goes ahead and he's like, we got to take out Diamond. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we got Rita coming over to Diamond's place and being like, hey, I'm going to head up. Has a nice rapport with the, the guy at the front desk. Mm-hmm. And has the keys goes to unlock it she's chilling waiting for him <laughs> she gets blown away because they go to uh mingo Fanny and, and mingo. fonta and mingo they yeah. go to the apartment they kick down the door and just like shoot the shotgun it was machine guns they were machine guns machine guns that's like right because they guns. said there's like a ton of bullets that yeah uh, she gets hit with they do like a nice close-up of, of like the tommy guns they don't necessarily show the guys but you know it's them but but you yeah it's like a little close-up of the actual tommy gun kind of in the shadows it's it's yeah it's really really good and that's where you see the burlesque neon sign in the, exactly. in, the, in the window yeah yeah so when like diamond comes back to his place like he's even like holding her shoes like sex she came to see me in her best shoes brutal also like the line earlier where they're like talking about alicia before they know it was the wife and they're like alicia 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 they don't know if it's a, a horse a boat or a girl <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we get an up-to-date photo of Alicia. That's the one that was supposedly taken in, in Sicily that Mr. Brown gave to Susan. Yeah. But they do a little detective work that's fun where they have all the police together looking at it and examining the photo. Yeah. And it turns out that she's here in the States and she yeah. actually is like in a, I don't want to say asylum, but just like it's a, sort it's of... It's a sanitarium. Sanitarium, yeah, 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 exactly. And it's tough to tell if she's hiding out or if she actually has like lost it. Right at this point, we kind of a little of both. Well, we we kind of figure out later on. I mean, if you want me to to say yeah, it, yeah, go but, for it. Yeah. So basically, what we find out is that she was on the boat and she started becoming kind of like what they can they call a lush, and she starts drinking a lot. So I think they he as much as he loved her, I think they wanted to kind of get rid of her a little bit, but not kill her. So I think yeah, they kind of set her off because she'd seen a lot. So I think they kind of just put her there as, as almost like an exile kind of thing. You know? And she, she kind of realizes it, but they're also talking about how she wants to come back. Right. But she's there taking care of the flowers, yeah. pretending it's not her at first, but it yeah. clearly is. And Diamond's like, look, I need your help on this. We got people dying. Like this, this person, Susan, who's basically in the same situation as you. Yeah, help us out. So she comes back, but... It's not going too well. They The cops bring in Susan to talk to her, and it seems like that might tip her over and have her cooperate. But then Mr. Brown shows up, and just the sight of him, she just, like, freaks out and knows to, to zip up and not say a thing. She's right back in a hospital bed after that. Yeah. Also, at the same time, we got McClure. He's finally had enough. He, he goes to the boys, Fonte and Mingo, and is like, you guys, you, you work with me. Everything's going to be great. I'm going to show you what it's like to work for a man. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're going to do this thing. So they're off to this like area out in like a private airfield. airfield, right? Yeah. Airfield, yeah. And it's like this, I don't know. I don't want to say like cabin, but just like this building that they was built back in like prohibition. Yeah. And it seems to have old booze still because you got a uh, Mingo drinking from it because his hand is rotting. <laughs> well, this is a little bit before that. So, so that's a little bit later. So, what actually happens is, so they they yeah know, that's more when they're hiding out. But then, right. so at this point, like they're out on the field. It's very very dark. 
Yeah. And you have Mr. Brown and McClure, and it's, it's like, hey, get, this is how things are going to be from now on. And you see Van Cleef just lighting that cigarette, coming all of a sudden appearing, yeah. and they got the guns, and it's just like, so good. And they're like, it's all right, so we're turning it on you. See you later, Mr. Brown. And the guns are pointed at him, and then all of a sudden the boys are like, oh, by the way, we're still loyal to this guy. They and turn they push the, guns the guns on, on him. McClure yep. and uh, Mr. Brown's like, so I'm going to do you a favor. You won't hear the bullets. Takes out his uh, earpiece and is completely silent as they just blow him away. So and it's a nice good. touch that they have the, the, that like soundtracks going, and then the the second that they take the hearing aid out, it's completely silent. And then you hear the you see you see the guns like the muzzles firing, but you're yeah. kind of hearing you're you're not hearing exactly like McClure's not hearing, uh, which I thought exactly. was a really nice touch. Back at police headquarters, Brown he's got everything taken care of. He's got he's pulling habeas corpus, so. You know, his wife can't testify against her husband. Mm-hmm. And also, we still got Fonte and Mingo hiding out. This is where they're drinking a little booze, or Mingo is really. Yeah. And Mr. Brown shows up, and he's like, hey, thanks for what you guys were doing. Here's your payoff. Make sure you split it. And then, you know, kind of <laughs> get on the road and Yeah, uh, he's like, all right, well, I'm going to take off. But good luck, guys. And it's like this cigar box, and it's sealed. And they're like, oh, what's inside? And Fonte gets it open, and it turns out that it's a grenade. Yeah, which is crazy. <laughs> Blows them all up. And so that's not good, but Diamond shows up. Mingo is, like, still kind of alive, and he's, he's still sort of holding off, but then eventually he gives up Mr. Brown. Yeah. Have we found out at this point that, um, what's his name, is died? Grazzy, yeah. Yeah, so that, that's basically, yeah, where we find out it actually – that the anger thing did happen, but it's the wrong person. They were chasing the wrong person. They thought it was Alicia, but actually it was Grazzi because they, yeah. they said through their contacts that they didn't find him anywhere in Sicily. And it made more sense that, yeah, that he was tied to an And yeah, but he's still been like showing up through like wires and like, you know, he's around in the underworld, but they were saying that Mr. Brown had kept up the facade. Yeah, he's kept sending it, him, yeah. It made sense to have something like that. And, you they know. said to fear him, to fear exactly. him being there. Yeah. It's a good move. Yeah. Mr. Brown is a very, very cunning. Yeah, yeah, he's a great bad guy. He he knows what he's doing. When does Brown get confronted by Diamond when he shoots Sam, the partner, and takes Susan? So Susan's going up to the apartment with her, her, his partner, and then he gets shot in the elevator just as they're about to go up by Brown, and Brown takes Susan, and then they go to the airfield, and that's where it comes eventually comes to head that Wow comes in that whole foggy hangar situation where they're basically trying to lead him there. I think Brown kind of is starting to get a little bit frazzled, but wants to take care of wild at this point. So I think that well, and Alicia of- also finally gives it in like, yeah. Cause she, cause like, where would he go to do something like this? And it's like, uh, duh, the boat. <laughs> yeah. He goes to that private airport, that area that we love so much and it gets good and foggy, but yes. the plane does not show up and he is trying to get away in his little building. But meanwhile, Susan just keeps grabbing the fog lamp from the car and just yeah. flashing and following him like a criminal yeah, the spotlight. spotlight. <laughs> yeah, the spotlight, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't make it. He gets arrested. Yep. And then and then they walk off. They go hand in hand at the very end. Because uh, yes. yeah, they walk kind of separate through into the fog, which I wonder if it's kind of a little bit of a nod to Casablanca, maybe just the way it's it's the airfield, it's they're walking off. I, I don't know, maybe, but um, could be a stretch. But yeah so so what what do you what do you think overall you, you you like this one i got three lines i want to point out well two i guess okay. i already said let's go hoodlum 
feels. I know how you feel. Nobody knows how another person feels. Nobody knows how another person feels. That was a good time. And I'd rather be insane and alive. Insane. Dead. That is that was a good line. I think my favorite line was the captain early in the movie says something like, You're trying to to beat a swamp beat a swamp with a, a spoon or something like that. It was some weird <laughs> thing like that. I was like, what are you talking about? What do you think this is? A homicide investigation? You're dealing with the largest pool of illegal money in the world. You're fighting a swamp with a, a teaspoon. I it's a it was a very punchy script though. There's a lot of standout yeah. lines. It's a good movie. It's a better movie than we were able to describe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it does get a little bit convoluted at times, but not in a bad way. I think just there's a lot that kind of goes on. It kind of dips in and out timeline-wise. Yeah. But I, I like this one a lot. I, I like Absolutely. the characters. I like I like the vibe, the, the the aesthetic of it. Like with all the, you know, obviously the fog and shadows helps. But <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, it just it has everything. Even a good jazzy score, which is always fun. I, I, exactly. find, I find jazz. I know they always try to go orchestral, but I find the jazz stuff really works best. And I think it was the era, too. I mean, this was 1955 in the same way yeah. that, like, you know, Odds Against Tomorrow is 59. It's like that mid to late 50s. I think you're starting to see that. Maybe more of that being more popular. Yeah, I, I mean, orchestral that by that point yeah. has become a little stale, overdone. Yeah. So definitely so if makes sense. for some grit, that's the direction we go. Did you, uh, did you get this this guy the, did the not come in time okay. so i want to give a shout out to canopy which i was able to stream this on yes canopy is excellent love canopy canopy really came through for me but uh i'm looking forward to the blu-ray when it arrives uh nice. fun facts about this it was filmed and shot in 26 days wow that sounds like poverty row to me yeah jack palance was originally hired to play mr brown mm-hmm. but he did not get along with the producers and the producers are all over this movie from screenplay to actors. So it's yeah. like, you're gonna gonna need to get into it. But he did recommend Richard Conti when he tapped out and they did a great job. So great recommendation. That's pretty good. The director, we'll get back to him. We got My Name is Julia Ross coming at some point from 1945. I'm yeah, sure we'll good. get to So Dark the Night from 46 as well. Yeah. A lot of good stuff from him. Of course, you're coming from Gun Crazy. So there's a, yeah. there's a quality there. <laughs> Sorry. One of the fun facts was one of the very first American films to imply that women derive pleasure from receiving oral sex. <laughs> Jean Wallace, when this was filmed, she insisted that the scene be shot when her husband was not on set that day. And he was not <laughs> too pleased about the scene in general and blamed the director for taking advantage of his wife. Yeah. But uh, I think it was a good movie. I think it it stands out, but it's not gratuitous, you know? No. I, I really, it, in a weird way, it had a, a purpose and it really explained the characters. Right. I mean, they couldn't really show a lot anyway at that time, but of course, <laughs> but but still, I mean, very interesting. I mean, not not something that you would typically see. No, um, not at all. In a, in a movie at that time. Not even really too much now. I mean, yeah. more so, but it should be in every movie, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's some reused shots in this. Uh, when the shot of the suspects being rounded up by Diamond, that was actually a, a shot from Gun Crazy. Yes. And then there's also shots of two patrol cars pulling into the police station were previously used in He Walked by Night, which was yes. also shot by cinematographer John Alton. Mm-hmm. That's right. And you notice, if you notice in the one scene with the rounding up, it's the, it has the LA PD logo on the door, but I'm pretty sure this is actually set in New York because they yeah. keep talking about going out from New York, so I thought that's pretty interesting. Call it a goof, if you will. Yep. Uh, Alicia, played by Helen Walker. Unfortunately, this was her final film. She passed shortly after. Oh, 
but she did a great job in this one. Mm-hmm. Fun fact about the building of where the uh, Allied Artists International was is now owned by the Church of Scientology. Really? Interesting. Yeah. If you're trying to see that landmark and go clear, you could go, you know, do it, do it in one. <laughs> <laughs> Sydney Harmon, who was the writer, uh, born in Poughkeepsie, New York. Shout out to Poughkeepsie. It's a very important town for me growing up. Saw most of my concerts there. The Chance Theater in mm-hmm. Poughkeepsie. Shout out to them. There's this guy, Chuck, who's like the security guard, this big dude. He's pretty memorable, always there. I remember bands would like shout him out too. Wow. It's a good time. I didn't mean to go so much into that, but here we are. He was one of the members, of many members of this group theater from college. And he was actually... He co-founded a theater group in the University of California in Los Angeles with our old friend Robert Ryan. Oh. Also, Harmon and Ryan with others formed, founded the Oakwood School in 1951. Uh, we'll be getting into Storm Fear at some point, I'd imagine, yes. which yes. was directed by Cornell Wilde, but it will also reunite him and Gene mm-hmm. Wallace and our old friend Dan Darien. I love, I love that movie. I can't wait for you to see that one. I, do we have that scheduled for this year? I, we, we'll, we have a gap. We could throw that in. We're ready. We do. We, no, we do. We do. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Richard Conte. He's in The Godfather. Remember him? Mm-hmm. That was a good time. He's in a lot of movies. Yeah. He's in a ton of movies, but that that's one of his final older roles of, mm-hmm. of note. We'll get Conte back as well in The Other Love from 1947. I imagine we'll get to from Andre Dutoff, the director of Pitfall. Mm-hmm which mm-hmm. has Barbara Stanwyck in it. We're always looking. We need more Barbara Stanwyck. We've only done the one so far. Yeah. That might be something we're going to have to force into the lineup. Yeah. And uh, he also starred in the movie The Spider from 1945, which I might get to. <laughs> I mostly like that it was directed by Robert D. Webb. <laughs> <laughs> I think they knew what they were doing when they were getting him to, to direct that. I should hope so, my friend. All right, so you asked me what I thought of this movie, and I thought... Why not save it till we get to the big ranking, Dan? Okay. I think we'll go four, three, two, one. We'll say our four and our three is... as Not at the same time, right? Because then we won't be able to hear it. It might be. (laughs) We'll figure it out. Uh, Why don't you you go first? You go first. Number four. Okay. As a Mitchum fan, pains me to say it, but it's the big steal. Mm -hmm. I mean, great movie, but it's it's just a breezy, fun time. But of course, it it doesn't have enough of substance to really ranked too high on the list but not a regrettable film at all it was fun to see the old gang and there we go i I imagine that's your number four as well it is yes what's your number three dan you go next so this is uh, this is what i was going to preface is that my one and my four were easy to select but the two and three were the most difficult uh for me my my one and two were difficult okay yeah two and three were very difficult for me i could probably go interchangeable but i think just because of the like i would say more so if we're talking strictly like nostalgia base personally for me i guess i would have to to rank three would be big combo um, oh wow and then two would be big sleep but like i said they could be interchangeable for me that's that that's such a tough call for me i have sleep at number three okay big sleep is number three well i mean one through three it gets it gets a little tough but yeah i i would put that there number two would be the big combo Mm-hmm. And I, I was struggling with that number one. I, I had a really great time. I guess now is where I say I, I had a great yeah. time with this. It was, it's a nice short film. I mean, I think at least the best thing we could say about all of these other than sleep is they're quick. Yeah, definitely. But at least, you know, sleep is keeping you riveted. So it's not, it doesn't feel long per se. No, 
I think that I think that's that's what I'm what I'm saying. It's like yeah, like Big Sleep for me is because like that was such an early film noir from for me, and I've seen it so many times that there's that like sentimental attachment to that movie that I have that's hard to right. break versus Big Combo, which I probably maybe enjoy slightly more because of how much I love Cornell Wilde and and I like Gene Wallace too. So that was, like I said, that that's why two and three were such a, a toss up for me. But one, yeah, I think has to be Biggie. But I think I mean, we, we both like, agree that one and four. Yeah, yeah. That, I, that was kind of what I I pictured for you as well. I, I mean, Combo was at one for a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some good stuff. I mean, it's funny because like Sleep, it, it tries to uh, like almost like forcibly accomplish this sexiness that Combo achieves just effortlessly. Yeah, in my opinion, I I just I find. I mean, I'm not even just talking, of course, about the oral sex, but I just mean like these women, there's just like a allure to them, how they yeah. carry themselves in the situation it is instead of just like, oh, look at this sexy librarian, you know? like Yeah, there's more of like a grungy vibe in Big absolutely. Combo. Than, it's real, you know? Yeah. Everything's real. There's not a false note to any of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would say Combo has the better script. Yeah. And maybe even plot, but just he has that execution that, that just takes yeah. it over the top but i mean again i i i, I struggled with combo and heat uh, i totally get that yeah and, and that's what i said it, it kind of pained me to to put because i think in the grand scheme of things i would put big combo pretty high up in general but if we're if our sample size are trying to strictly just limited to these four movies it makes it that much more challenging to, to really like pick up because i mean they're all good i mean I, yeah. I, I didn't just like any of them no um, that's just it. it's four great movies and i was happy to see that for the two i hadn't seen and yeah the two that i had seen still hold up i mean i guess i wasn't worried about heat but sleep you never know yeah if you're in the wrong zone for sleep it's gonna put you to sleep yeah that's true felt good about all these good. fun little month great we'll yeah be- I, I thought so too I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed big combo uh because yeah because yeah, I, I love that movie so well done everybody so that's the end of our our themed month we'll be taking september off to do regular lineups of movies but we'll be back with some more curated themes i was gonna say don't don't worry we're not going anywhere we're still coming back it's just, i had to correct yeah. myself <laughs> just scare everybody i don't know maybe we'll take a break who knows probably not definitely not yeah <laughs> sarcasm only translates so well on these things i'm learning but join us next week you're gonna meet an old friend to the noir genre mike hammer we're gonna be watching 1955's kiss me deadly Yes. Girls fleeing in terror from things beyond description. My name is Mike Hammer, Matters. What do you want? He was out to get men who tortured women and killed with the ferocity of wild beasts. This was their jungle. Cut the knife! Kiss Me Deadly stars Ralph Meeker, winner of the New York Critics Award. Through his great talent, the vivid character of Mike Hammer comes to life as never before. They came last night, right after you left. I heard them. I hid in the basement. Only a woman could help him solve the murderous riddle of Kiss Me Deadly. She's dead. But I'm not dead. Hey, 
Remember me? This woman's lips, cold as steel, lethal as a gun, gave him the terrifying clue he sought. On this woman's lips, warm with longing, lay the shocking secret of Kiss Me Deadly. I've been, I, for that. I've been anxiously waiting this one. Yeah, I've I've been waiting for this one. I think maybe since we started this. Yeah, it was definitely one of those. When's it coming? And yeah, here it is. It's a perfect September movie. We're ready to get into fall. Summer maybe still here a little bit. Linger a Labor little bit. Day coming or having come. I don't know where we are in the month, but uh, yeah. boy, oh, we're still in August. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> where where are we? <laughs> I I'm asking myself that daily. Yeah. Thank you very much for another great episode, Dan. Thank you. If uh, other people want to say those kinds of words to us, you could do so at the real out of the podcast at gmail.com. I'm sure if you just search out of the podcast at any of your social medias, you'll find us or email us. Maybe we'll send you the secret links to the very public pages we have, <laughs> but we'd love to see you there. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for rating, reviewing, subscribing. Whatever watching. you're inspired to do. And that, yeah, absolutely watching, buying, if you purchased any of these. Thank you. That's yeah. awfully kind of you. But yeah, just thanks for showing up every week and making the lads feel good. Kind of the opposite of a noir ending. So, oops. Yeah. You know, maybe we'll save that for the last episode when things get real dark. Yes. But in the meantime, we're living on top of the world and we're here to raise our glasses to a toast and say to all the noiros out there, here's, here's the crime. Ding.